special episode of Athletic Experiment Podcast. It's episode 125. I'm your host, Bruce, and I'm joined on the line once again by Lux. Hey, Lux. How are you now? I'm doing just fine down here. Nice. I'm glad to hear that. It's been a couple of weeks since we were able yep. to record. Um, you know, life got real. Um, we got busy. Things happen, right? Yep. But it's good to be back. Good to, re- good to record. Good to get, get another episode in. Hard to believe we're, we managed to get 125 episodes in. Like, that feels like an accomplishment, doesn't it? it? It honestly does. Lots of shows go pack up and get lo- and like just quit long before they ever get to 125 episodes. So, audience... This is like, this is like, kind of feels like a big moment for us. Like, 125, it's a big number. Like, that's like, you know, another 25% of the way to 200. That's crazy. Anyway, yeah, no, I'm glad you're doing well. Um, I mean, the big things down in Big D got to be pretty good right now. Got to be feeling pretty good about how about them Cowboys? I mean, like, honestly, though, they, they have one last chance to clinch a playoff spot. Well, they're gonna they're gonna get there, right? I'm pretty sure. Actually, I'm pretty sure they clinched last night, didn't they? Oh, no, they, they 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 lost in overtime. Yeah, but because of somebody else losing, I'm pretty sure they clinched. They like they backed into a playoff spot because somebody else was mathematically eliminated. Let me just check. Yeah, they clinched last night. <laughs> so they may have lost, but they backed their way into a spot. And a ten of ten and four—that's a pretty good record. Like, there are not a lot of teams in the league that are going to be that have got a better record than that. It just so happens you play in the same division with a team of thirteen and one, and looks borderline unstoppable. Like, really, if you think about it, like Philadelphia yeah, looks unstoppable. Like the, yeah, like David. Yeah, the Eagles—they've been popping off this season. I know it's kind of crazy. I have to say, my favorite team. Two of my two favorite teams are doing pretty well, and my third favorite team is still in the hunt too. So my my favorite team is San Francisco. And when I was a kid, I grew up watching Joe Montana, Joe Montana, and Steve Young quarterback all those great 49er teams to victories, and 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 like it looked unfair. And as a kid, I loved the 49ers. And then the 49ers went in the tank for a very long time. And now that they're back. They look, they look tremendous. They have such a, such a team right, right, right around them. It doesn't matter who you have as the quarterback because these guys look awesome. They look, they look tremendous. So it'll be exciting for the playoffs in, in the NFC. Um, if you think about it, like the NFC is pretty stacked. Like you got Minnesota, you got Philly, you got San Francisco, you got Dallas. These are teams are all like. All tremendous. And then you have Tampa, who's leading the NFC South with, at best, they're going to finish with a 500 record. Doesn't that feel atrocious? Yeah. Like, it just feels atrocious. And the terrible thing is, you can't discount them because they have Tom Brady under center. So, anytime Tom Brady could just turn into go, into go god mode on you and go, you know, 22 for 24, throw for 315 yards and three TDs and just torch you. And you're like, oh, Tom, still, Tom can still do it. Interesting. That feels bad. So, yeah. And then the AFC, I mean, the AFCs, I think, a little, feels a little bit more wide open. Like, Cincinnati's good. Buffalo is good. I mean, Kansas City's obviously very good, but like after you get past them, like there's there's a lot of a lot of parity across the across the league in terms of like Baltimore's pretty good, Tennessee's got times where they look good. So anyway, it's been it's good, been an exciting season, and uh, well, it's good to see Dallas. I think I think the league is better when Dallas and that whole NFC East is like looks pretty good. Like when that NFC East is compelling. The NFC East, like I think, makes football exciting because all those teams are in huge markets, 
right? Philadelphia, Dallas, New York, and Washington. Like, those are all big, big markets for football, right? Like, the Eagles, like, those are just huge. Whereas, you like, look at something like that NFC South. Like, I don't want to say anything negative about Tampa, Carolina, New Orleans, and Atlanta. But, like, those don't feel like they're in the same league as, of, like, as a market, as a, as a football city. Like, Philadelphia, like, they're, like, that's what I think about when I think of Philadelphia. I think of, like, hard, like, good, hard fans and the Eagles. Like, that's what I think about. Like, and then Dallas, like, does Dallas have any other teams? I know they have the Mavericks, but let's be real. When you think of Dallas, what's the biggest team in town? The biggest show in town is always the Cowboys, whether the Cowboys are good or not. So it's good to see the Cowboys be good. But I think it's better for and them. Like, honestly, like, the ironic part about the Cowboys is that like, their team name is the Dallas Cowboys, and yet their main stadium is in Arlington, like a couple hours in and, uh, away. Is it hours away in Arlington? Yeah, like... Like at best, you it would take at least two and a half hours to get to in, in oh. Dallas from Arlington. Oh, Arlington! How? Oh my! It says it's only two. It's only like twenty-three minutes. What am I? What am I misunderstanding here about this? Google Maps oh, like, says I do, they, they, it doesn't take into account like traffic and stuff. So it's telling, sending me along I-30 West, and it says it's 23 minutes or tw- and 20 miles. Yeah, they, that is definitely not taking into account traffic and something. All right. I mean, I'll take your word for it. I mean, I have no idea. I don't, I don't live there, but uh, you do, so. <laughs> um, yeah. Right. Because, like, on a good day, it would at least take you, like, two hours to get to Dallas from Arlington. Because, you know, they... I mean, they... they, I-30, they... Let's just say that they... they, It could be better, but at least it's not 20 and 35. That's fair. I mean, I'll take... I will take your word. I mean, they... Like absolutely. Like literally down here in North Texas, the I twenty and I thirty five are literally the worst two highways to travel down. Hey man, I'll take your word for it. I'm you don't you don't you don't have to sell me. Um, that's interesting because I am looking at it like I sort of think consider like Dallas Fort Worth to be like the same sort of like large metropolitan center, and like Arlington's smack dab in the middle. Anyway, that's cool. I mean. What do I know? I'm some dumb Canadian up here in snowy Canada. No idea what's going on. So, all right. Oh, enough about the world of, uh, of professional sports. Um, oh, yeah. Congratulations to Team Argentina for winning the World Cup, I guess. Uh, that's, it's a big big event, big deal, it's, uh, and people are crazy about it. My students couldn't stop talking about it all day at school today. So, I mean, congratulations to Argentina on winning the World Cup. Did you watch a bunch of it? And um, like, and that sport's not really my thing. Uh, that's fair enough. I watched a little bit, but I found the time differential make it made it challenging for me to catch it. So anyway, okay, <laughs> let's get on with the show. All right, some housekeeping, folks. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you like what you hear and you would like to hear more about it, more from us, you can always go find all of our back episodes at thelotuscouncil.com. It's free of charge. You can just go and find our episodes and listen to them, enjoy them at your leisure, whether it's, you know, around the house or driving the car or wherever wherever you listen to podcasts, you can catch all of our shows there. Um, You can find find lots of other great things at thelowestcouncil.com, including a really happening Discord that is free of charge for you to join and is a great resource for you if you are looking to get into magic and learn and, you know, bounce ideas off for that new deck you have. If you want to talk about new strategies, you want to talk about the happenings of Wizards of the Coast or anything else. But there's a lot of people in there that also love to play EDH and have lots of great things to talk about with their varied experiences from EDH. Um, Lux and I are, are there regularly. We're haunting the place. So come and check it out and find out for yourself. Tell them that Bruce and Lux say hi. 
and the people will be good to you. All right, so come and check out thelotuscouncil.com. All right, we have some garbage or great tonight. Then we're going to talk about a little bit of a year in review because uh, I don't know if you noticed there, Lux, but um, won't be long, and we are going to be right in the middle of uh, getting ready for 2023. And then we have a deck this week. We have a Megatron list, which uh, is, looks pretty fun and interesting to play. So are you all ready? Yep. Okay. So tonight's Garbage or Great is a card that I found. comes out of the new Warhammer 40k decks. And it says called Nurgle's Conscription. Four and a black for an instant. Put target creature card from an opponent's graveyard onto the battlefield tapped under your control. Then exile that player's graveyard. What do we think of this card? I mean, honestly, they that could that's basically graveyard hate right there. So you're it's interesting that you're going for the graveyard hate piece first. Um, I look at this, and I'm I'm really interested in the fact that this is a reanimation spell at instant speed. So if you can hold up some mana, and like holding up five mana is a big ask. But there are lots of ways that black, and I'm, presu I'm presuming this is going to be mono black, but mono black can hold up and or generate a lot of mana very quickly um, in order to generate enough to cast your Nurgle's Conscription. Whether it's sacrificing things to an altar, or whether it's you know your Cabal Coffers, or whatever else you've got, you can find a way to have mana available to use this as an instant speed trick. You go and get their, you know, whatever their big thing out of their graveyard is, um, and then now you have the thing that you can beat them in the face with. So, you know, a great example would be, and I've played a lot of standard recently, but like this would be really cool on like a on a Titan of Industry. So you go and activate the Titan of Industry, like activate like this this reanimation spell, this Nurgle's conscription. Go and target the Titan of Industry in their graveyard. Pull it out. You know, you blow up an, an artifact, you make a 4-4, you get a body. Like, okay, that's magical Christmas land because you're now I've got the perfect scenario with something huge and powerful in somebody's graveyard. But I think in our, in our format, there's enough big, tar big value targets that having this in your deck is probably worth the risk. And I like that you pointed out that this is also graveyard hate that is inc incidentally stapled to a... Uh, reanimation spell. So that seems pretty good to me. Don't you agree? Yeah, definitely. Because let me tell you, like a lot of my bad beats have come from someone like pulling something wonky out of their graveyard. Oh, all the time. Like somebody's gonna find a way to get that scary thing back out of their graveyard, whatever it may be. And you know, now now they're going to deploy it against you. How awesome would it feel to go? Uh, 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 uh. It's mine now, and then get to pull yep, like, it. Yep, like that big scary thing's mine now, and say goodbye to the rest of your graveyard. You're not pulling anything out of it now. Absolutely. Look at the top commanders that play this card. Oh yeah, so there are lots of self mill sorts of cards. Like so, you self you're milling or you're milling cards to your opponent's decks, so you can then make maximal use of your of your Nurgle's inscription. I think this is pretty cool. And like people may not be aware, this came out of the of a precon for one of the Warhammer 40k decks just this year. So that's kind of exciting that people you you, you might play this. No one has ever seen it happen ever ever seen this card before. It's you know it's a bargain price at thirty two cents. Thirty two cents. That seems like a really good budget yeah. option for us too, right? Like we are a budget show. Yep. This is a budget card. And it packs a mean punch. So I don't know. I really, I think, I think it's actually pretty good. So I'm going to come down and say this is this is great. This is not garbage. This is great. It's a little on the expensive side, but I think that's the when you're getting these two effects, you're going to pay this sort of man, this sort of mana on uh, instant speed reanimation plus some graveyard hate. 
What about you, Lux? Where do you come down on this? Team great. Great, yeah. I mean, they, they honestly, they, I'm actually going to like, try to get this card, and I am going to run it. <laughs> Good man. Yeah, I don't blame you. I think the card is outstanding. So um, add it to your shopping list and tuck a couple away in a cart and like, like order yourself four copies. And like every time you build a black deck, like you'll you're gonna want to play this. Like you're just going to. Like it's just unavoidable. So yeah. All right, Arbors are great. That was a nice, quick one. That was good. That was a good card too. All right, we've got this year. We're, this we're gonna just spend a little time going over. The year of Magic the Gathering at like a broader level. All right. I think next week we'll have our top 10 list of like top 10 cards and then top, like the top cards that are like the saltiest from the year. Uh, that's next week. But I think this year, this week, we're going to look at like overwhelm, over like the overarching theme of Magic the Gathering this year in 2022. What we sort of thought of it, um, what challenges might have been faced. Uh, or and continues to face into 2023 what was positive about what was going went on this year there's a lot of interesting things to talk about um in no small measure because there was so much of it that was produced like there was tons of magic and so there's lots to talk about so what do you, do you want to start yeah. with the pros or the cons first there lux and yeah, let's just get through the garbage first okay so for you lux what was something that was really negative about the whole year, like, or a, a, as as we would say, a criticism or uh, a, a con for this year's Magic the Gathering offerings. I mean, for me specifically, like with me working it in LGS, they it was the junkie release schedule, and they we basically got swamped. Yeah, I don't envy anybody who operates or owns a game shop um, where you're being sort of compelled to have this stuff on. Oh, hold on. I've got to go help a little one who's out of bed. Hold on a second. You need to be in bed now, she had lost her blankets in the dark and so she was cold and needed to have, have daddy put the blankets back on her so the joys of having a three and a half year old their their audience oh boy anyway oh wait, so release schedule yeah i'm sure the release schedule was tough like i don't know how you guys managed to do it um if you're unless your owner just threw his hands up and said forget it and not doing some of it i mean they they what he did was uh, he decided to test the waters a little bit, and uh, he got a box uh, 
the with each sin in a set that released so that he got a box of it and soon thing they what and then uh, sold and we got more of and what didn't sell we basically just decided to offer up as some like prizes or just gave it away seems seems good to me like yeah i mean there's no doubt the release schedule was tough all right like so like audience in case you've forgotten like this autumn has been particularly bad warhammer 40k and the infinity things were so close together but even then like baldur's gate and the double masters 2022 came out less than a month apart. Like, they were, le- like, less than, less than a full calendar month apart. And then, of course, Double Feature came out last year, like, two weeks before uh, Kamigawa dropped. And, like, tell me that that Double Feature was a good product, and I would laugh at you. Like, it's not a good product. I mean, they, they, Bruce, they, we had one box uh, of Double Feature, and... Only five packs out of the entire box were ever bought. Yes, yes, it was a bad product. I hope they never. Yeah, they. Do, and they never they, do it again. They. They try to guess what they since it wasn't selling. Guess what me and the owner did. You played pack wars with it. Well, they with half of the box, so the rest of it we just decided to do flip it or rip it. <laughs> did you rip anything valuable? And. Fortunately, no. <laughs> you do know that people on the internet get mad when we play when people play flip it or rip it with cards, right? Well, like when you have such a bad set, like there was such p- good potential. If that had been like an Innistrad remastered, the same way we are going to have like a Dominaria remastered, done in this double feature foiling style, that could have been really cool. Like, could you? Im- yeah, because they. So it's like when they announced Double Feature, I was so excited because. Oh, you cut out. What happened? Box, you cut out, man. Uh-oh. Oh, there we go. What happened to Lux? Lux's audio? Are you back? Uh, okay. Yep. So you were excited about Double Feature? What about it? And like, I was excited when they announced it because they. Innistrad is one of my favorite planes. Like, like I really, the the original Innistrad block. I really enjoy that, especially Dark Ascension. Re- Dark Ascension, really? Huh? That's a that's a that's a yeah. that's a that's a hot take there. Most people did not like Dark Dark Ascension or Avacyn Restored that much, but they really liked Innistrad. Innistrad was cool, and like to take imagine taking cards from all three visits to Innistrad and remastering them. And doing them as a draft set in that cool double feature foiling, that could have been cool. And that would have been unique yeah. and different so that we could have done something fun with the drafting and whatnot and really offered it as a, as a, something different to do instead of buying standard sets for, for Kamigawa. But instead, they just packaged up, you know, Crimson Vow and Midnight Hunt in the same box with some dubious looking foils and said here guys come and get it and i'm like it doesn't it, it wasn't a good product it was just, just bad all the way around wasn't it pretty much yeah. so these are just a few examples of like how they crammed in just too much product into the year and like and just there wasn't enough time to digest everything and then you got to remember they also sprinkled in secret layers all the way along which I don't really mind the secret layers being sprinkled in because those are those are like really optional. There's no doubt those are optional pieces that if you really if something speaks to you, you go and buy it. Right? So like see they see they that's the problem that I have with secret layers is that every single time a secret layer drop comes around that actually interests me, they it has such a limited and a run that it's always sold out by the time I'm able to actually get one. Well, but like most of them aren't like um, most of them are printed demand. So if you really want something, as long as you go in and get it, like order it within the the allotted time frame, and they've started widening the window to order stuff. So if we look at Secret Lair right now, like what's available? Um, like you could go in, like the things are available on sale for another 16, 17 days. So if you decide that you really wanted to get something. Like, for instance, let's say you really wanted, um, 
Did you want like the just add milk ones, which is the one with Ulamog or Itali and Galta um, as like cereal box cards? You could you have another seventeen days to go pick it up, and I mean that's that's pretty cool. Um, you know, like I'm going to be very honest. I ordered um, two of the Transformers ones. I ordered the roll out roll out and roll up foil edition. And I ordered the Transformers Optimus Prime versus Megatron. I have never ordered Secret Layers before, but they put Transformers on it, and like it spoke to me. It's like I need to get this. Like I need these in my life. Um, nothing makes me happier than watching Optimus Prime just stomp people. So anyway, but a lot of the other products were like there was just too much sprinkled in all the way around, so we couldn't. We like people can't get used to anything and i think my biggest issue with the release schedule comes down to and i said it with commander legends too just let us breathe just let us get used to the cards that are in the format now and then give us three or four months and get used to like let things settle out let us adapt because right now the pace the way things are going there's no time for a meta to adapt to new cards before yet more cards get piled in on top of them. So I don't know how most metas play. Maybe some some metas play once a week. Other metas play once a month. Like I play with my same group of friends once a month. You know, we're busy. We're all dads. We don't have a ton of time. So we can play once a month. Well, if we play once a month, that means almost every month there's a new, new set and new cards and new commanders that people have built and how can you let anybody get used to things if they're always having to have new things thrown at them like let people adapt to playing you know these cards that have been around for a little while and i think it makes for a more interesting gameplay experience part of the joy of magic and correct me if i'm wrong lux is the fact that when you're playing somebody that you know in a meta and they, they, they deploy the same sort of strategy over and over and over again. You can take steps to prevent yourself from being blown out by their stuff by putting new tech in your deck to directly respond to their, to their whatever it is they're doing. And that give and take. So you, you, it's like a chess game. You do one thing, I adapt, and I put this response in my deck. Oh, and so you adapt by doing this. And this back-and-forth interplay makes the game so eminently repeatable to play and gives it so much depth of strategy that we're losing that in the game right now because we're spending so much time worrying about the new thing that we never have time to get used to the old things that have been out for six months, right? Like, how many... How many yeah. Dominary United Commander decks have you built, Lux? So far, yeah, none. Ditto. How many cool commanders are there in Dominary United? Um, they honestly, they I can't even a count bunch. them. There's a whole bunch, right? Like I kind of want to fool around with mm. Urg, son of Turg, or maybe I want to play the new Wrath. Maybe I want to play. Yeah, they maybe they build the new braids. Yeah, build the new braids. Like there's lots of great commanders, and. I, you just don't have the time to play them all. So, so that's that to me. I agree with you. I think it's a huge drawback, and it's been one of the really big negatives about the game in the last twelve months for sure. Um, I it's been ongoing for far longer than that. Um, because we, we said the same thing with Commander Legends, and before that, you know, we've had you know the, we started seeing them up the number of commanders, up the number of releases. Um. You know, so it's been an ongoing battle for sure. And I don't think Wizards is going to back off because they just keep looking to print more money. So let's print more sets. Anyway, um, for me, I have to say, I've been really disappointed. I was really disappointed with the 30th anniversary. Um, I, I don't know what to call them, like the anniversary set. Nine hundred ninety-nine dollars for four booster packs of non-tournament legal cards. 
And to me, I think that was... Yeah, they... Go ahead. Yeah, they... Not gonna lie, like, that entire thing felt like a complete slap in the face. It felt like a slap of the face, and it slapped... And it really felt like it was done poorly. They... The product... They, hey, like, and thank you for 30 years in, of this game, and they can, like, let us show you just how much we don't actually appreciate That's you. That's kind of how it felt, isn't it? So, I'm not, yeah. I was not a big fan of it. Um, I knew the moment I read about it that I wasn't going to buy it. And, you know, a thousand dollars is way too much. Uh, and I know, I know, open, I have someone who opened Revised. And all beta is, is a slightly more robust version of Revised. But there's a lot of really bad cards in that set. And there are a very small number of really, really good cards. And... Yeah. Like, literally, like, my store owner, and, they, and they, his description of it was, and here, like, here's your stupid reprints. Now shut up and keep giving us yeah. your money. But no one, I don't think anybody really wanted those reprints. Like, those aren't the reprints people wanted. Yeah. Like, no, they honestly, they things like the Moxon and Black Lotus, like the Power Nine cards, they honestly, like, yeah, like we really like those cards, but they shouldn't be no, reprinted. When nobody was clamoring and saying, give us more Moxon, give us more Black Lotus. Like, no one wanted that. Because if anybody was really interested in getting those things, they could get them as proxies. And in most environments where you could play them, those that would be perfectly reasonable. But here we are, like, no, no, you must have your actual legitimate Magic the Gathering product that has prox, like, that still has proxies of these cards, but charges us far more. So I was really dismayed by the whole thing. Then, like, the, the online sales of it where it was like up for sale for like 40 minutes, and then it wasn't that the sale was sold out, it's just that they concluded the sale, they pulled it down, because the product was so toxic and so poorly purchased, that they're like, this is embarrassing, we have to pull it down. So I think the whole thing left a really bad taste in my mouth. Really wish they hadn't done this and ruined good um, print, like, or a, a reprint equity on this product. When there are so many other more more impactful cards they could have printed, like like I'm glad that in the in the Dominaria remaster, there's going to be Force of Will. I'm glad that we're going to get things like we got things like Wormcoil Engine again. Like they have they have spots to put these cards. Yeah, um, yeah like in Time Spiral Remastered, we got neat and no, 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 reprints like Tarmogoyf. So. There's lots of ways. There's lots of ways that they can reprint these cards, like good cards that we want to play with for all sorts of formats, without devolving to this, like essentially, ruining of the reserve list. No one, no one wanted these cards printed. We didn't clamor for them and say, "Give us all the moxes." We can't even play them, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah, like, I have, like, I'm pretty sure that like all the Power Nine cards are probably oh, banned in many of the forms. Time Twister is the one that's still legal. But like the majority of the Power Nine, like they're yeah, all banned in all, formats. All, all, all five locks in are banned. Um, Time Walk is banned. Um, Black Lotus is banned. So that's six, seven. What are the last two? Um. Oh, I'm missing one. I'm missing one. I'm sure of it. But whatever. That's six of them. Seven if you count. Yeah. Seven if you count Time Walk. Time Twister is still legal. And there's one more. Oh, Ancestral Recall is banned too. Right? So those, like, no one's clamoring for Ancestral Recalls and Black Lotuses because we can't play with them. And if you're going to play with them, you're going to proxy them anyway. So now they just give us expensive proxies. I'm like, this is not a step in the right direction. This is going the wrong direction when it comes to this sort of stuff. So, not a big fan. Not a big fan. All right, let's. I think we've talked about the negative points because I think the last one being that their online web, the web development that allows them to sell their products directly to us, 
has also been a struggle for us to use. Um, you would think that you know we would there would be more effort in having a smooth operating um, sales platform if you're going to try and market expensive high end cards. But I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> so let's look at some of the pros. So for you, Lux, what do you think has been really something really good that people have been excited about? Honestly, like just like with the cons, like kind of like the pros, like the biggest thing for me would be like the standard releases, like like Neon Dynasty and Dominary United Brothers War. People are actually playing standard again, and like we've actually had a an increase in the in people wanting standard showdown to really? come back at the store. Oh, that's nice to hear. Yeah. And of course, in the, with in the Brothers War, it's like you were saying, the neat reprints, the, the retro artifacts. They, I can't tell you, they, people are actually they constantly coming to the store asking if in the, we have any of those lying around. Oh, uh, I just keep buying them at stores. Like, I, I, any local store here, if they have retro artifact stuff laying around, I'm snapping it up. Like I just unequivocally, I'm just snapping it up. Because I'm sure in five years' time they're going to be worth more than they are today, and I don't and I don't feel bad about it. Um, but yes, I would agree. I think many of the standard releases this year, and I'm going to cite the ones that I like: Kamigawa, Dominaria United, and Brothers War were good. I did not care for Nukapena, and I'll talk about that in a second why. But because I, I think all of these three sets struck a chord between balancing nostalgia. Which we all love. Like we all wanted to go back to Kamigawa for years. Dominaria is always good to go back to. Um, and same thing with Brothers War. Now that we have, um, you know, we can access Brothers War. Like these are all good sets yeah. that play on this nostalgia element that we all love. Yeah. New mechanics. Yeah, because like, I've seen they, like, I've seen some people kind of they complain about why we were doing another set over a can and a part of the story that we've already gone over but the those people like i tell them that hey and they have you not been following the story there's a reason why we're doing this again um i am personally of the opinion that going back in time to view the actual brothers war now done in cards rather than in a novel i think is definitely well worth it definitely well worth it um and of course they they literally, they brothers were they, yeah, like the novel was good, but the actual set gave us a fresh look over that time period in Dominaria's history. I, I think, I, so I think, I think it provides a, a good way to refreshen or freshen up this old story that we all knew or knew of if you played for any sort of length of time, and now we get a chance to actually see it unfold before our very eyes. And like, there's some cool stuff, there are some cool cards in the set. So, I'm a big fan. I will say, of the sets that are standard release legal, I did not care for New Capenna. And I think the big difference was um, Kamigawa, Dominary United, and Brothers War all had really vibrant... Um, and I thought like, talking about Brothers War is gone, but it's not. Like They have a vibrant, limited play. So, when you sit down to draft them, you still have interesting gameplay that goes on whereas with uh new capenna i think you ended up getting steered into brokers or into um like green blue or green white um at the expense of everybody else and it wasn't really that that good uh, uh set and and they honestly they in my personal opinion, I feel like New Capenna was them trying to and add a more modern twist to what Ravnica yeah. gives us. You know, like the whole like faction yeah. system. I don't, I, I don't think you're wrong. Um, I just think it was, it was a really convenient way for them to print those triomes, which I think they, they recognize they need to do, and the rest of it was sort of ancillary fill. So anyway, whatever. I'm over it. I don't. If if there's one stinky standard set, I'm okay with it. So it's fine. The other three were, are outstanding. I love Kamigawa. Um, it's one of my favorite sets uh, of of all time. I think. 
um, you know, like in terms of like my personal rankings of sets, like Hans of Charkir block, like ranks right up there as the top of mine. Um, I would put Kamigawa Neon Dynasty right up there, like following on the footsteps of Khans of here. Um, and then if I had to pick a third set for me that I've seen in the last 10 years, um, it would probably be Dominaria from 2018. But, like, you know, the fact that I'm putting um, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty so high up should tell you about how I, re- I regard the set. I think the set is tremendous, so... Um, I think it's been really, really good. Now, Lux, you you were talking about something really interesting with the Brothers War and its apparent popularity with your player base. Um, what are you noticing with the popularity of Brothers War? Like, are is your are is your your client base or your your player base um, excited for this this product in particular? Yeah, they basically like people really liked Dominary United. But they, when it was announced that the set after Dominary United would be the Brothers War, they normally they we literally had to open pre-orders early because people were wanting it, and they everybody was coming in wanting this set, especially after all the cards were revealed. Now, are you are you and finding they, people are selling them back to you? Like, I know a lot of people will buy their open up their box. Take what they really want, and then they will try and buy this much of it back, or try and sell it back to the store if they can. Are you finding you're getting a lot of that from Brothers War? They, with the Brothers War for their first time ever, people are they they're keeping the comments and uncommons. Like the cracks, they the packs of crack. They they are keeping the comments and uncommons. Like they are not leaving anything behind. They are keeping everything. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's sort of why I sort of agree there. It's It's been that engaging of a set that... Because they, they normally at my LGS, whenever people in a, in, a, in a crack packs, usually they just take what they want out and they just leave like the commons and commons and basics and basic lands just lying around on tables. Yeah. They, they literally, like my store, like all that we have a Brothers War is a sealed product. Like, we don't have any yeah. singles. No, I believe it. And, like, and there's enough interesting, compelling things um, in the set that, you know, get people excited. So, for sure. Um, another positive that I really think has been really good for uh, the game has been all the alternate card styles that they've introduced. So, let's go back at our time machine, our time machine Lux. Circa 2014, which is when I started playing Commander. If you wanted to make your deck look like, exceptional, what could what was the only option you had? And like the only option at the time was foils. foils. Okay, and foils tended to be more expensive than the non-foil, right? Yeah. So now today, with all the different art styles, the showcase styles, the stained glass, the retros, the gilded foils, the edge foils, the D and D alt arts, the whatever other styles they produce. A lot of them, like, like very few of them are going to see that their price takes off. And if it does, great. That is the, the version that people are looking for and like. Meanwhile, there's other versions of that same card printed in one of these many, many other treatment styles that are worth significantly less. Because somebody doesn't want the art style. They're not looking for that sort of thing. It doesn't match the theme of my deck. And I think this, like having this this stratification here, like where you've got like the high-end bling, but you can still have other options at different price points that are more affordable and still provide your deck with some level of customization, I think is ultimately really positive for um, for the game just generally. Um, it means that we've got an, you know, an interesting collection of of cards to choose from to make our deck feel like it's our own, to do the thing that it's our own to do. So, uh, do you have any thoughts on like, the alternate card styles? Like, what is there any you really liked? Oh, Lux. Oh, 
Lux, we'll be right back in a second there, folks. Lux has got some stuff to take care of. So, yeah. Um, yeah, bottom line is, like, I think that all the alternate art styles have been tremendous for us. So I think that's been really good. We'll come back to this idea of art styles with Lux in a moment. I wanted to move on to the, the what I think should have been their actual 30th anniversary uh, release product, more so than the beta packs that are that they that they chose to use. Thinking the 30th anniversary secret lair was a more representative product of magic over the last 30 years because they picked iconic cards from each of the of the 30 years of magic's existence. Um, that's really big. Like you're like you're finding some really interesting cards um, that that are represented. They represent a whole era of magic. They're not all great, but they're, it is really interesting to have that sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? To have that sort of overview of all the cards across the whole thing. And on top of it, the product was ultimately very good. It was at a, re a very reasonable, accessible price point that far more of the players could have been able to get and enjoy the product and celebrate the anniversary of, the, of this game. Um, far more so than a $1,000 pack which is going to Wales um, and people who have big, big budgets to spend on magic. So um, I really, really do think the 30th anniversary is tremendous. That secret layer is really, really good. They probably could have printed twice the amount of it and still sold out. I would have wagered. Um, so yeah, I'm, I just, that's what I think. I think it was a really good product and uh, I wish they had, you know, let people have more access to the product. Maybe they'll go back to the the printing press, but I don't think they usually they usually don't do that with the um, with your secret layer stuff. So anyway, uh, next I have like the I have also identified as the universals universes beyond as being a particularly good uh, mechanism mechanism or component to try and draw more people into the game, um, and so. Things like the Transformers cards from Brothers War, the Warhammer decks, the Stranger Things cards have now been reprinted in, in New Capenna as the list. Um, these are all, you know, good examples of things outside the game that are now brought into the game of Magic to enrich the game of Magic, but also, you know, give people a sense for, um, you know, what Magic's all about, even if they're not really Magic players. Oh, I could get that commander deck I'm now play with my friends maybe they'll teach me right that sort of style um I really do think retro artifacts and old border cards just look so good um and they've been a really good development to keep suppress the prices of, of a number of really expensive reprints um a great example would be unwinding clock I've used it before I'll use it again right now it's like five bucks uh it wasn't that long ago, Unwinding Clock was over 30. So, you know how it goes. Um, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to, to sort of accentuate this point. Um, the old borders look really good. If you've seen old border Ethereum Sculptor out of whichever product this was in, uh, um, it is from, I don't know right now. But Ethereum Sculptor in the retro border looks outstanding. So... Anyway, that is that. Hmm. Lux! Still waiting for Lux. I don't want to jump into our Megatron deck there, folks, but I may have to here. So, let's jump into our Megatron deck as part of segment three. And when Lux comes back, we'll get him to, to share some thoughts on other positives. All right, so let's read Megatron. Megatron's got lots to talk about. So three red, white, black. So three and a Mardu for a legendary artifact creature robot. Seven, five. The war that meets the eye. So you can choose to play them as uh, one and then red, white, and a black for one and a Mardu. And that's his, uh, meets, meets the eye cost. You can cast him as a tank. Oh, when Megaton Tyrant is up, your opponents can't cast spells during during combat. Alright, so that's 
Uh, and then at the beginning of your post-combat main phase, you may convert Megatron. If you do, add one generic for each one life your opponents have lost this turn. So I took this in a way that this kind of reminds me of Belby, um, where if you can deal damage to your opponents, you're going to get extra mana that you can then turn around and use to cast really big things. Um, so I've got, you know, Megatron, Elsbeth, Alright, what am I looking at here? So, okay. Yeah, so Megatron. Um, the deck itself uh, is pretty budget-friendly. It's $143. Alright? Um, the most expensive card in the deck is a Jessica's Will. You don't need to run Jessica's Will. That should could be a painful truth just as readily. But uh, I happen to say I like it. And so we run it. And that is that. Um, but yeah, so. As you can see, not everything is super expensive but it's certainly the creatures yeah okay uh where i got sidetracked there again um but yeah so the whole thing you got um your creatures so you're looking to make a lot of mana so you things like combustible gear hulk are really good um you get your things like um Flame, Flame War, Brash Veteran has got a mechanic to kill things that are playing. It's true. So, yeah. Um, good stuff. Uh, you got a whole lot of artifacts and artifact enablers and some stacks pieces like you get your lodestone golems and things like that. Um, so, you're looking to leverage Megatron's ability to make really big things, including like things like a Mere Battlesphere, uh, a Scuttling Doom Engine. Anyway, all good. What else is in this deck that's particularly exciting for you as an audience member? Um, it's hard to talk about it. So, Megatron's pretty big. You got your unwinding clocks. You get your saw rings. A whole bunch of mandorks that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. The deck's like you're going to cast big things. Use use your use your deck. Use your commander to go and leverage it. I mean, I played Optimus Prime the other night. This is going to be very similar in many regards, um, in that it's an expensive commander to cast. Cheaper to cast it as a Decepticon. Um, yeah. On the whole, though, I think the deck looks pretty fun. Looks pretty good. Um, yeah. I don't want to go through card by card. There's a lot of really interesting things in this in this set uh, that are going to burn brightly for a bit. But yeah, um, Lux, are you back now? Perfect. Yeah. So let's go back to um, your pros, particularly as it pertains to like art styles. What did you like with the art styles? And I think one of the things that I really liked was the in schematic art style for the retro artifacts. Like, that was pretty neat, and people were seeking those out. Sounds good. I agree. I think it's a, that's a, you know, an excellent. Yeah. Because, like, I'm pretty sure you noticed that the schematic version of Worm Coil Engine is more oh, expensive than the regular than retro artifact. And I, you're right. I think the schematic looks really cool. I think they've done a really nice job of creating different products that, that some are more expensive than others based on how desirable they are, but everybody can get something that helps them personalize their deck, and that's cool. I like that. Um, anything else you want to talk about here? The 30th Anniversary Secret Lair? Yeah, like, the, like if you ask me, that was a much more suitable in a 30th Anniversary in a product yeah. Oh, you're not wrong. And they, yeah, they. I kind of and they regret that they. I didn't have the money for it at the time, but maybe on maybe somewhere on down the line, I might yeah, be able to get sure. some of those I cards. I mean, hopefully they, they they right now their their prices are sky high, but hopefully they come down a little bit. 
and then makes them a little more accessible. Some of those cards are really excellent commander cards for sure. Um, yeah, I just think generally as a whole, it's been a lot. I think there's been a lot more positives to this year than negatives. Would you agree? And right, so, big time, no name. Yeah. yeah, I think we've had ups and downs, and but and they, for the most part, like the I, pros I outweighed the cons so this year. When we get we our our community gets really negative and focuses on the things that are terrible, the the 30th anniversary stuff, the release schedule the you know whatever else but i think on the whole if we look at things critically it's been a good year uh for magic players i don't care about wizards of the coast they say it's been good for them too but um it's been good for for us from that standpoint as well so should we move on to the megatron deck all right i was looking at the megatron deck on my own a little bit there with the with the audience um we talked quickly about it, so you're using Megatron's ability to create a lot of extra mana to cast something humongous. Um, some things like Metalwork Colossus would be good in here. Skitter Beam Battalion, um, Mere Battlesphere, things that are very clearly not, like, they're not small things, and so you need the big mana to pump them out. So that's sort of the big game plan. Is there anything that sort of got your attention as being a card that you were a little surprised about, or card you'd be excited to see played in, in a game? And I mean, honestly, they a lot of these yeah. seem, seem pretty good. I mean, like, like the one thing that I was surprised that you ran was, of course, Flame War Brash Veteran. So let's have a look at, at Flame War. So one black red for a three-two. Um, you can cast it for a black red for more than meets the eye. Sacrifice another artifact, put a plus one plus one counter on Flame War and convert it. Activate only as a sorcery. One, discard your hand. Put all exiled cards you own with intel counters on them into your hand. And so very clearly, if we flip her over, then she makes intel counters. So, yeah, no, that's fair, but I definitely, like, there's definitely some artifacts in this deck that you could sacrifice and if you can make any treasures or, or or thopters or other such things then like you're going to have things to flip and allow flame war flame war to leverage you some advantage so i actually think the the card is reasonably well positioned in this deck i mean i'm not crazy about it i could easily take be convinced at taking it out but i don't know i think it's an interesting inclusion um if not super potent Super synergistic with with the actual commander. Um, yeah, there's a lot of interesting, like a lot of fun things. It's not too expensive. Their audience, like it's a hundred and hundred forty three dollars to pick us up and get you in the game, playing a game of commander, uh, and enjoying and enjoying it. So I think that's really the key point. The key, the key point. Um, obviously, if you have suggestions for me or suggestions. That you'd like to see included in this deck, or for an upcoming commander that you want to see us build a deck for, you can always email us at theepicexperimentpodcast at gmail.com, or you can use Twitter at, at epicexpcast. Uh, that gets us, uh, and we'll happily look at your lists and your suggestions and your ideas. We'd love to do that because it doesn't happen enough. Anything else, Alex, you want to throw on about Megatron or Magic for the year 2022? Nope. Thing. Thing. I've you know, just really enjoyed it. Thinking about it, me too. I've had to make some very inten intentional choices about what product I'm not buying. But once I was very clear, I don't want to buy this product. I I was very comfortable with that choice, knowing that there are other great price, uh, you know, products coming down, you know, coming down the pipe very shortly. So, all right, should we close it up shop now, my friend? All right. I was going to bring this yep. show, this week's show to a wrap. Um, if you like what you he heard, you would always love feedback. You can find us on your social media coordinates. Uh, again, the Epic Experiment Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us at Twitter at, at EpicEXPCast. You can find us on Instagram at using the same address uh, or hash, uh, name at EpicEXPCast. Um, we'd love to have questions, love to have people uh, engage with us. So if you something you like or something you don't like, Please let us know. Um, you can find all of our decks on Moxfield at the Epic Experiment Podcast. 
Um, they're all one word. You can go in and open up our files to see all the, the decks that we've built. Um, and of course, wherever your favorite platform is, you can ask a question, leave a comment, like, follow, subscribe, or, or any other action that uh, will drive interest in, our, in, the, in what we're doing because uh, every little word helps. Um, next week, we're going to be uh, hopefully bringing in Lux, uh, not Lux, um, Liam again. Um, he's our judge. We've been waiting on him. Hopefully, he's fucking fine a little bit of time in the in the holiday season. Now, I'm gonna be honest, Lux. We may be off our regular, maybe not on the regular schedule next week because of the holidays and all, right? But we will let yeah. you all know what the schedule is and let people know when episode 126 will be coming out, so you can wait in bated breath for our thoughts and words. All right. Until then, this is the Epic Experiment Podcast signing off. Wishing you all the best wherever you next get out. Thanks so much, everybody. Take care. I'm so excited.